And uh, we've been going through this uh, little mini-series on Wednesday night, and it really dovetails right into uh, next week because uh, we've been talking about teach us to pray. Of course, uh, that's what the disciples asked the Lord Jesus was, Lord, teach us how to pray. And remember, Jesus used that model prayer, and, and, and that means that when we pray, we don't have to pray a, uh, the same exact thing every time we pray. The Bible says not to use vain repetitions, and you should just pray from your heart. You know, you can, you can come boldly before the throne of God. You can pray to God. Now, again, I believe we need to be reverent to the Lord as we pray, but I, I've covered in the past oh, four or five weeks uh, different postures of prayer and different places of prayer and, and, and various things like that. Just trying to help you understand that, as Brother Robert said, if you can't make it tomorrow, here, wherever you're at, you can pray. And we need to understand how important it is that we would be a praying people. Last week, I covered uh, Hannah and in the Bible where she was asking God for a child and the way that she prayed and with the passion that she prayed. So tonight, I, I'm shifting the focus to the passion that Jesus had himself when he was asking us to pray and, 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 and pray specifically that people would be saved. And that's why God has left us here, is to be a witness for him. And, and as I think about this, it's so very important that, that we would have a passion to see people saved. Now, here's the exciting thing is, is we mentioned this last week, uh, starting next Wednesday, for three consecutive Wednesdays, Brother Chris is going to lead, he's going to come in to the auditorium on Wednesday nights, the next three weeks, and he's going to cover from the scriptures, and he's also going to cover practically how to actually go up to somebody's house, how to knock on their door, how to, how to talk and communicate with people out in public, uh, what to say, how to, how to lead somebody to Christ. And I believe it's going to be a big help because I know there's many in our church that have the heart to want to see people saved, but really maybe have, and by the way, until I was 20 years of age, I, I didn't have a clue uh, what soul winning was, how to talk to someone. And uh, you say, well, I guess you're an expert at it now. No, there's no experts at all when it comes to soul winning. But I'll tell you this, it's like anything else. The more you go, the, the, you don't necessarily get more comfortable. Uh, I, I still get nervous when I go, but I, I know this, that every time I go, it's, I just love the opportunity to go out because Jesus told us to be a witness unto him everywhere we go. And I know that Nazarel and Brother Dave and, and Rogan uh, even went out to eat uh, two weeks ago at a restaurant, and they were witnessing to one of the, the waiter or waitress or somebody, and uh, then they went back this uh, past Sunday, and really they, they, they went to eat, but I, I believe they really just went to follow up to talk to that individual a little bit more. Uh, brother Roman, I guarantee you, he's glad that he started talking to his brother about Christ. He's glad that his, his brother accepted Jesus as a Savior. Brother Richie is excited the fact that he's not, he's not, he doesn't like the fact that his sister's going through cancer or that his mother just passed away or that his dad went home to be with the Lord a year or so ago. But he, he said this, he says, I'm, I'm glad that I know where all three of them are or going to be. And it's so important that people come to know Christ as their Savior. So tonight, from these verses, I want to share with you just some thoughts about having 
a praying passion for souls. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 9, in verse number 36 through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples. Now you see, the Lord saw it. The Lord felt it in his heart. And then what he does is he, he turns it to his disciples. Because oftentimes we don't see things the same way God sees things. We don't look at people the same way God looks at a person. And the Bible says he looks at his disciples and here's what he says to them. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, you think about this in one other verse that came to my mind there, and you know it's Psalm 142, verse number 4, where the psalmist said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, and there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. What a sad statement. No one cares. People going everywhere, doing whatever in their life, walking right past people that are going to spend eternity somewhere. And as Christians, we've got to understand that there are billions of people in our world today and no one cares about them. It, it, it's sad to think about it. Millions live with no one to pray for them and no one to tell them about Jesus. Sadly, even many Christians don't care enough about people or about a soul that they would pray for somebody, that they would come to know Christ as their Savior. Uh, many of you probably have agonized and prayed maybe some year after year after year for someone that you knew was not a born-again believer. When you think about how so many today of God's people really don't care, you say, Pastor, how do you know they don't care? By their actions. By their actions. Uh, folks, look, I mean, you think about how few Christians witness for the Lord, yet it's commanded of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think about the contrast of Christians today, believers in Christ, and the Lord Jesus himself. What a contrast, because the Bible says here that Jesus had a passion for souls. Matter of fact, he left heaven because of that passion. Jesus came to this earth and he was motivated with every waking activity. The Bible says the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we know the Bible says that God's not willing that any would perish. God wants everyone to go to heaven. And, and, and the opportunity that is before us, again, the fields are wide unto harvest. It, the, it's plenteous. There are plenty of people out there that need to know Christ as their Savior. The Bible says in Mark 10, 45, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. It, it was this 
passion that I'm trying to describe to you from the Word of God tonight, that passion propelled Jesus even to go to the old rugged cross and to give his life. The Bible says God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I, I've never got over Romans 5.8. Every time I read that verse, it just, it just slaps me right in the face. Christ died for me, and he died for everyone that's in this world. The passage tonight in Matthew chapter number 9 is a great passage because it helps us understand how Jesus looked at the multitudes that gathered around him. Now, it's evident that because Jesus was doing many mighty miracles, that a lot of those people were drawn to him because of the things that he did. Uh, matter of fact, the scriptures even state that. But when Jesus looked at these people, here's what he saw. He saw people that were helpless. He saw people that were hopeless. When he looked at that those crowds, he saw hurting people. And so tonight from this passage, I want to share with you some elements that really caused Jesus, as the Bible says here, to be moved with compassion. He didn't just have compassion. He was moved with compassion. Tonight, I look, I, I didn't stand up here and carry on and on, but some of you were moved when I began to tell you about that three-year-old boy and his leg. You were moved by that. And what God wants us in our hearts to be is to be moved because there are people, millions of people that are perishing unless someone tells them about the love of Jesus. And these elements tonight from the Lord Jesus, I hope help us and cause us to have the same praying passion for souls that motivated our Savior. Notice, first of all, that we need to pray because of their departure. Pray because of their departure. Jesus saw these people, and he describes them as people that were scattered abroad. Scattered abroad. Uh, you, you, look, there is safety in numbers, right? But when, they are, when, when there is a scattering, of people. Uh, they, they become prey. Look at it. As you think about this, this matter of their departure, notice as Jesus described, letter A, they had no fellowship. No fellowship. They were outside the fold, so to speak, as sheep. They were not with the rest. There was no fellowship there. That's why this Sunday night is so important for us is because we get together as God's people, and we, we iron sharpens iron. We have fellowship. We, we have sweet communion with each other. And he describes these people as having no fellowship. Secondly, no protection. When you're out there on your own, you're not protected. There's no one guiding them. They were sheep without a shepherd. They were away from their leader. Notice letter C, there was no comfort. When you're out there all by yourself, there's no one else there with you. You can't find any rest. They, were, they had wandered away from the rest. And you think about how you and I, we were the exact same way. And this is why the Word of God tries to help us understand how very important it is to reach people that are aimlessly wandering through life. Do you remember what it was like, or has it been too long, what it was like before you got saved? 
Can you think back tonight? Maybe you got saved at a very young age. Maybe you've been saved recently. But some verses that really have just spoke to me over the years, there in your notes, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 12. That at that, that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. It's a proven fact, folks. Listen, you studied out. Sheep do not do well on their own. They do not do well on their own. And Christians need to understand that this world that we live in today, that the vast majority of the people are away from God. There's no relationship, no right relationship with Him. You know what those people need? The same thing that Brother Roman's brother needed. They need a witness. They need somebody that is moved with compassion, somebody that will pray for them, somebody that will witness to them. Hey, listen, these are the kind of people we're talking about tonight that are wandering around in life that the good shepherd is seeking after them. Look what it says here in Luke 15. He spake a parable unto them, and here's what he said. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. <laughs> what a great thought tonight. That Listen, you and I, we need to pray for those that are wandering, pray for their departure. Notice, secondly, Jesus said we need to pray because of their depravity. Pray because of their depravity. We think about the sin nature. The Bible says here, as Jesus saw them, he says, because they fainted. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about a physical fainting here. This was something way deeper than physically. Now, a lot of people physically, they're wore out in life. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. The focus in life is not on the physical, it's on the spiritual. Whenever I was administrator of a Christian school, I remember that, uh, you know, a lot of times, and I, I was the same way, a lot of times the school students, their focus is on sports. They love sports. By the way, I do too. And, and it's like that's where they wanted to put all their eggs in, that one basket in the, in, the, in the sports, in the physical. But see, when you think about it, you have that which is, is physical, and then you have that which is academic, and then you have that which is spiritual. And folks, I'm going to tell you, the order needs to be spiritually, then academically, then physically. And we had rules at the school that if you weren't making the grades and you didn't have the right relationship, you weren't behaving yourself in the eyes of the Lord, then you didn't play the sports. And we need in our lives to understand the first thing in our lives is our relationship with the Lord. And, and God's focus, look here, is on the heart. And we need to pray for people because of their depravity. Jesus was moved with compassion. Why? 
because these people were lost under this burdensome load of sin. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. By the way, again, aren't you glad for the grace of God? Don't, don't ever look down your nose at somebody that's still living a life that, by the way, you and I used to be living ourselves years ago. But we can clearly see here that the Bible says we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, look, it just came natural, right? We were born that way. We were born in sin. And the Bible says that according to the Word of God, those individuals are children of wrath. And we have to see that those people, just like we were, that are not under the grace of God, they have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they are depraved, that they are still living under that burden of sin. The Bible says in Psalm 38, 4, For mine iniquities are gone over mine head. As an heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. A lot of people, they just, they, they're, they're like, look, I, I don't know what else to do because I, I'm in so deep. I don't see any way out of this, this life that I'm living. And again, we think about the sins of the world. Every day, if you work out in this, in the community, out in this world, you're surrounded by people, men and women, who are, are, are capable of, of absolutely anything that you can imagine. But look, and can I tell you that if you go to the Bible, you'll find some of those very same people? How about, how about this one? David and Bathsheba. How about Saul? Both Sauls. One of them became Paul the Apostle. How about this one? Peter. How about Judas Iscariot? I mean, folks, we could go on and on. You don't have to look to the world. You can look to the Bible and find people who were depraved because what does the Bible say? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? There's none righteous, no, not one. That's why we need to, we need to ask God to give us a burden for the lost, that we need to have a praying passion for the lost. It's so important. And Jesus said, I want you to pray. Now, some people, you know, they, they look at people like, like David in the Bible and Paul and Peter and others that make some mistakes, and they'll say to themselves, well, listen, that's them, but that's not me, really. You, you better be careful about what you say. Look at the Bible says, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. See, we, we're, all, we're all depraved. It were not for the grace of God. These people, they need to be reached. How? With a compassionate person that is moved, that wants to see them come to know Christ as their Savior. Jesus said, we need to pray because of their departure. We need to pray because of their depravity. Notice, thirdly, we need to pray because of their destiny. Hey, folks, listen, if somebody is not saved, they're not in Christ, according to the Word of God, they're going to spend a life. How about this? The wages of sin is death. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God in the garden, did they die that minute when they ate that fruit and disobeyed God? No. 
But what happened? It was a separation from God. That fellowship was broken. And Jesus said, you need to pray because of their destiny that they will spend all of eternity. Folks, that's forever separated from God. Look, Jesus was, was moved with compassion. You know why? Because he saw the beginning from the end. Now, I understand tonight, and from the Word of God, He's God, that He knows all things. But has He not, listen now, has He not given you His Word and you hold a copy of it in your hands tonight? And if you have read it, then you understand from the Bible what the end is for those that do not know Christ. Jesus said, we need to pray for their destiny. There are people that are going to spend eternity without the Lord, and apart from Him, that they will be in a place called hell. Remember this story in the Bible about the rich man. And the Bible says, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Hell's not going to be a party, folks. It's a place of eternal torment. Jesus was moved with compassion. And here's, again, why. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Christians need to have that same vision. Look, if we really believe that there is a literal hell, then it should cause us to want to tell people about the Lord, to tell people that they can have a home in heaven someday. And I hope that you are telling people about Jesus. Listen, I I, I was really as I was spending some time on this point about people's destiny, here's what I found from Luke 16, that even people that are already in hell, that are already in hell, are concerned about the lost. You know why? Because they're already there. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? Have you been there and asked them? No, the Bible. Look at Luke 16. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, that's talking about the word of God, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You see, here's a man that actually was in hell. Look, folks, people will go to hell because we don't care, we don't pray for them, and we don't witness to them. Look at Ezekiel 33, 8. Then then I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Do you hear what the Bible says? As I was reading, not too long after I got saved, I was over in the New Testament, and I read this verse out of the book of Acts about the Apostle Paul and his life after he got saved and the witness that he had. And here's the statement you find in verse 26 where the Bible says, Wherefore, I take you to to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. You know what that tells me? Paul cared about souls. 
That means that every person that he came into contact with, he talked to them about Jesus. Now, folks, not every person's going to get saved because we talk to them and we witness to them. Our responsibility is to be a witness because we can't save any, a person anyway. But see, that's why Paul said, I am pure from the blood of all men. Paul cared about everyone's destiny that he came into contact with. And so Jesus said, look, you need to pray for their departure and pray for their depravity and pray for their destiny. But notice, fourthly, he says, pray because of their despair. They were sheep having no shepherd. Now you think about this. I, as your pastor, am not your shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd. He's the chief shepherd, the good shepherd that giveth his life for the sheep. And aren't you glad that we've got a shepherd that we can look to? Hey, listen, I, I'm glad that Jesus came, and before he gave his life, he instituted the local church that we're a part of today. And I'm so glad we have a place that we can come, and we can pray together as we've done tonight, and we can fellowship and have companion together, that we can have peace in our heart and experience the joy that only the Lord can give, and we can find our rest in Him. Folks, I can go on and on and on, but the things I'm talking about right now, this world has no idea what those things are. You know why? Because they're in despair. They're lost. They don't realize, you know, it's kind of like a child. A child doesn't know what it needs. That's why God gives a child parents, that they can help that child whenever it comes time to needing some food, what type of food. And it's important that we see these people as believers. Our duty is to tell them about Jesus, and our hearts ought to be broken because the world does not know Jesus. And Jesus said, you need to pray because of their despair. And then look at this last one tonight. We need to pray because we need to make a difference in this world. Look back in your Bibles in verse 37. The Bible says that here's what he said to his disciples. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus sent out his disciples into the harvest. And when he did... He gave them some responsibilities. And can I tell you that they were the beginning of the church that we are a part of today. The responsibilities that he gave to them are the very same responsibilities that we have today. Because the work, his work, continues today through his people. And I want you to see some of those responsibilities that Jesus gave to them that he gives to us. Notice the first one tonight is that you and I need to visualize. We're going to make a difference if we visualize. In other words, if we see the harvest. Now, you, you look, if you talk to somebody who's been a farmer, a lot of times they're, they're waiting for their crop. They're waiting for the harvest. But if you talk to the farmer, he can already see it even before it's even there. He already knows what that field of, of, of corn or that field of wheat is going to look like. 
even before it even comes of age. He, he already knows, and you and I need to see the harvest. We need to recognize that not everyone is saved, and there are millions of people out there today. By the way, 7.6 billion people in this world, and not everyone is saved, and those that are not are facing eternal damnation. There's nothing they have to do to go to hell. Just live and die. And we need to see, we need to visualize uh, what this world is. We need to, uh, we need to be uh, reaping until uh, the Lord comes back. We need to make sure that we enter into the field. The Bible says in Mark 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So one responsibility is we've got to visualize. If we're going to make a difference, we've got to see it. Look at the second responsibility that he gave to his disciples. They not only need to visualize, they need to agonize. Agonize. He says, pray ye therefore. An old preacher years ago said, prayer is the work. It's hard to pray. But he says, you need to pray. We need to have a passion to pray for people to be saved. And look, there needs to be a brokenness and a burden on our part for the lost. And there, there are too few today that really have broken hearts over the fact that people are heading to a Christless eternity. And we need to be constantly praying for them and, and asking the Lord to save them before it's eternally too late. Remember what Jesus did when he was in the garden? He agonized in prayer. And he wasn't praying for himself. He was praying for us. And we need to pray for the lost. We've got to, if we're going to make a difference, we've got to visualize. We've got to agonize. And then notice the third thing we've got to do is we've got to evangelize. We've got to evangelize. The Bible says that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Sounds to me like he wants us to go to work. Sounds to me like he wants us to roll up our sleeves and get busy. Look, so many times people want to just sit in the comfortable pews and chairs and air conditioning, but we need to see the need. We need to be concerned enough to pray and to go. Jesus desires for each of us to do the work of an evangelist is what the Bible tells us. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He says, ye shall be witnesses unto me. One of those individuals I love to study about in the Bible is Peter's brother. Anybody remember what his name is? Andrew. And the Bible says in John chapter 1, look at it. Two, one of the two which heard John speak. And followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now you know what that tells me? There may have never been a Peter if it wouldn't have been for Andrew. I mean, did Andrew get to write a book in the Bible? No. Did Andrew get to walk on the water? No. There was a lot of things that Peter got to do that Andrew never... But I'll tell you this, Andrew had a burden to see people saved. Not just his brother. Look at John 12 in your notes. There were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, 
which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. They're like, they go to Jesus, hey, listen, Jesus, there's some people that want to meet you. There's some people that want to understand who you are. There, there may be some people that want to believe on you. It seems like every time you find Andrew, he's leading people to Jesus. Listen, folks, you don't go soul winning unless you have a burden to see somebody get saved. We need to have that passion. It sounds to me like what Andrew was doing was fulfilling the call that God placed on his life to be a fisher of men. The Bible says in Matthew 4, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net in the sea, and they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We were out on that boat uh, in between me, me and Brother Roman uh, feeding the fish. We were having a great time. It was a beautiful night. And I, over here on my left, old Brother Zach and Brother Chris, they're just catching fish, having a good time. Brother Zach's eating hamburgers. He's just having a great old time over there. I'm standing there. People keep coming up to me going, hey, Pastor, you caught one yet? Nope. Pastor, how many you caught? Caught any, Pastor? Nope. You know, nothing. Not a zero zip, you know. And I'm standing there and I'm holding this pole. I'm doing everything I can just to keep my lunch in. And Brother Zach, he's, and, and I, said, I looked over Brother Zach and I said, I'm convinced. I'm convinced it's easier to fish for men than it is to fish for fish. <laughs> and Brother Zach's standing there and he's got a cheeseburger in his hand. And he kind of looks at me with that look on his face. And he stands there and looks at me for a couple seconds and he goes, Pastor, I was trying to figure out exactly what you were talking about. <laughs> but I'll tell you this much, I'd rather go soul winning any day than staying on a rocky boat and be losing my lunch. But folks, listen, there are people out there that need to know about Jesus. I'll tell you this much, I had a great time with those men, even though I didn't get feel well on that boat. But I'll tell you, every time I go out and every time I share Jesus with people, whether they want to hear it or not, I always come back feeling way better than I came back from that boat, I'll tell you that. The Bible says, listen, we need to be busy about having compassion. What are you doing in your life as a Christian since God saved you to keep people from going to hell? Look at the Bible says in Proverbs 11, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. God's plan, you know what God's plan is for you, in case you haven't figured it out yet? God's plan for you is that you would tell people about Jesus, that you would do what Andrew did for his brother. Look at Psalm 126. They that sow in what? In tears shall reap in what? Joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, look at this, what is he taking with him? Precious seed, not a better cargo to take with you than the Word of God. Precious seed. It says, look, at, I love the promise here. If you go and you go weeping with compassion shall doubtless, in other words, you're going to bring somebody to the Savior. It may take you 10, 20 doors. It may take you a while, but folks, I'm going to tell you something. You just keep sharing Jesus with people. You just keep having that passion for souls 
and praying for people that they won't go to a Christless eternity. And I'm going to tell you something, you're going to see people get saved. And what you and I need to do is ask God to give us a burden to see people saved. Hey, listen, may God place someone, maybe there's already someone on your heart. You know, Brother Roman's like, saw his brother's name, can cross that one off now. But there's probably someone else on Brother Roman's list. And there ought to be someone on our list. Someone that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. Look, folks, you read this passage tonight, here's what I see. According to the Scriptures, time is short. The laborers are few. But the harvest is ready. It's plenteous. Where do you have to go to lead somebody to Christ? Anywhere. Walmart. Doesn't matter. There's people everywhere. And the question tonight is, are you willing to do your part? Are you willing to do your part? Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we can see in the Word of God, the heart, the compassion that Jesus had when he was here, still has to see people saved, to think that he's left the responsibility in our hands. And God, it's, it's our opportunity. You've saved us and left us here. And I know there's a lot of people in this auditorium that might think, well, I don't know if I could ever do that. I don't know if I could ever talk to somebody about the Lord. And folks, these next three weeks will be a great opportunity for them to maybe hear and, and be taught some things on how they can be a witness. And I pray that every one of us, before we step through death's door, from this day on, I pray that every one of us and many others will have the opportunity to lead at least one soul to Christ before it's eternally too late. Lord, bless and use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.